G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in Melbourne for 3CR and the Community Radio Network with the support of the Community Radio Foundation. On the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Insecure work and suppression of wages is the theme of our industrial landscape these days. The COVID pandemic has shown the cracks in our economic system, but mainly for working people and the underemployed and unemployed. It has been devastating to hear about the increase in the hungry mile for the majority, while the very rich have become richer. An expose out of America from ProPublica about how the very rich avoid paying tax sent further shivers across the population of the world. Robert Reich, the American economist and former United States Secretary of Labor from 1993 to 1997 under President Bill Clinton, explained it in simple language. How can it be that the richest people in America, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Warren Buffett, Michael Bloomberg, pay almost nothing in taxes, as ProPublica reports. First, they use their vast fortunes as collateral for loans at single-digit interest rates, because they're so rich, and because those loans aren't considered taxable income, the ultra-wealthy avoid the 37% federal tax on top incomes, as well as the 20% top capital gains tax rate. Second, the interest they pay on those loans is tax-deductible, reducing even the taxable income they get from their investments. Third, if some of those investments turn bad, they just subtract those losses from future investment income. Presto, live like royalty and pay little or no taxes. How is this relevant to today's programme? Today's Stick Together is going to the recent hearing of the Senate Select Committee on Job Security, which probably should have been called the Job Insecurity Hearing, but they err on the side of optimism. On Thursday, June the 10th, they were concentrating on Amazon, which has a foot now in the Australian landscape with warehouses, oh sorry, fulfilment centres in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane and Perth. Amazon maintains that it works within the letter of the law in regards to pay and conditions. However, issues around anti-unionism and unrealistic worker demands were centre stage at the hearing with particular emphasis on Amazon Flex delivery services. But first, some union news. Paramedics across New South Wales will not respond to non-life-threatening calls from 5.45am in a last-ditched effort to secure a 4.7% pay rise. About 1,000 paramedics will participate in the action for 24 hours by refusing to respond to any call-outs that do not require lights and sirens, call-outs for serious conditions like heart attacks, strokes, spinal injuries or asthma attacks will not be affected. 
Health Services Union New South Wales Secretary Gerald Hayes on Wednesday, June the 9th, said paramedics would proceed despite orders from the Industrial Relations Commission to suspend the action. The union declared the action earlier this month in opposition to a 1.5% pay increase offer from the government, which Mr Hayes describes as insulting. Workers could face fines for the unauthorised action, which the HSU has committed to pay. Paramedics in New South Wales are the lowest paid of all states and territories, with a six-year paramedic earning $1,456.28 per week. Around 2,800 paramedics are employed across New South Wales. The offer currently on the table does not even keep up with the cost of living with inflation forecast at 2.2%. We are looking at a pay cut. This is unacceptable, the union said. In Victoria, workers at Down and Newport site took their first strike action in May in what continues and looks to be a protracted campaign over casualisation. The company was a successful tenderer to build and maintain Melbourne's new high-capacity metro trains. The Downer workforce comprises manufacturing workers, electrical workers and maintenance staff and are responsible for building trains and maintenance of the system. The company has decided to keep workers on fixed-term contracts despite an EBA which requires them to transfer them to secure positions after six months' employment. AMWU, ETU and RTBU members voted unanimously to take escalating strike action in May, which since the recent COVID lockdown is set to recommence. Stoppages will continue for as long as it takes for the company to present a reasonable offer which reduces their use of fixed-term contracts, the unions said. In international news, Malaysia's industrial court has ruled in favour of dozens of migrant workers in a labour dispute against American tyre manufacturer Goodyear Tyre and Rubber Company amid accusations of unpaid wages and employee mistreatment at the firm's Malaysian factory. A total of 184 migrant workers had filed five complaints against Goodyear Malaysia in 2019 and 2020 over non-compliance with the collective labour agreement and are claiming about $1.21 million in unpaid wages. The workers allege that Goodyear, one of the world's largest tyre makers, did not give them shift allowances, annual bonuses and pay increases even though these benefits were available to local staff who were represented by a labour union. Goodyear Malaysia argued that the migrant workers did not have legal standing to file the complaint as they were not union members. The workers are from Nepal, Myanmar and India. In three rulings dated June the 9th and published on Thursday, Industrial Court President Razida Shik dismissed Goodyear's argument ordering the firm to pay back wages owed to 65 workers and comply with the collective agreement. You're listening to Stick Together, Worker Stories and Union News, broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network.
Despite Amazon representatives at the Senate hearing into secure work recently denying any illegality in their operations, the issue of an anti-union stance was investigated. Listeners may be aware of push for union representation in the company's Bessemer warehouse in Alabama in America. The vote was lost, with 70% of workers voting no. Lawrence Benn from the Retail, Wholesale and Department Store Union of America, the RWDSU, gave evidence at the Senate hearing explaining the outcome. Um, As the committee may be aware, workers at an Amazon warehouse in Bessemer, Alabama, uh, recently sought to organise a union with the RWDSU. And these workers raised issues, including an unsustainable workload and constant surveillance, insufficient breaks and safety concerns, and the lack of grievance procedures and subpar wages. It's estimated at this warehouse that there's a 100% turnover of the workforce annually. I'd also note that recent studies have shown at Amazon warehouses across the US, that the serious injury rate at Amazon warehouses is more than double the rate recorded at a competitor's warehouses. So in response to these workers' organising efforts, in response to workers seeking to address the insecure nature of their work, Amazon launched one of the most intense anti-union campaigns seen in modern history. And in response, the RWDSU is now appealing this to the National Labor Relations Board. As demonstrated by the high turnover and high injury rates at Amazon warehouses, these jobs can be seen as fundamentally insecure and highly precarious. In fact, few workers have long-term careers. In the United States, Amazon has more than 800,000 direct employees, as well as relying on many thousands of independent contractors. Given its size and market power, we know that Amazon is able to completely overhaul industries and undermine working conditions across whole industries. Um, And we know while pursuing many of these anti-competitive practices, Amazon's been able to benefit from generous taxpayer-funded public subsidies and avoid paying their own taxes on many occasions. Amazon has a growing local presence in Australia, and we know based on Amazon's record in the United States and across the globe that this should be cause for great concern in Australia, given its enormous market power and size, the precarious working conditions and anti-union policies promoted by Amazon represent a significant threat to job security and the future of work in Australia. In the United States, for a union to technically represent and and negotiate a contract for workers, those workers would need to win a recognition election, um, and that requires 50% plus one of workers who vote in a union recognition ballot to vote yes for the union. Such a ballot was held um, at the the Bessemer facility um, earlier this year. The question on the ballot was whether to be represented by the RWDSU. The impetus for the ballot was workers coming to the union um, outlining all of the issues I mentioned, incredibly high turnover, workload issues, subpar wages, not being treated with respect, being treated like a robot and a machine, um, and needing a voice in the workplace. So those workers decided to organise to try and address the insecurity of their work, and they came to the union uh, to assist them in those efforts. And in response, um, Amazon launched one of the most significant and intense anti-union campaigns thing in modern history. Uh, The President of the United States even put out his own remarks in response to it uh, to call out employers that seek to intervene in such elections. Um, But it was, you know, really trying to allude to workers uh, that, you know, they could lose benefits. The union would be a bad thing for them. Uh, There were captive audience meetings. 
uh, 16 hours of them, I believe, held daily for 32 days. Many workers attending, four to six of them on work time being made to attend them. Daily text messages sent to workers, mail sent to workers' homes, anti-union messaging put in the toilet, stalls and bathrooms at work. Amazon representatives walking around the warehouse with a clipboard asking workers how they voted. Workers being hired and putting vote no pins on them walking around the warehouse. Um, it was an extremely intense anti-union campaign uh, that workers who were trying to address the insecurity of their work had, had to face at that moment. Well, I think as, um, as our appeal to the National Labor Relations uh, Board states, Amazon violated the law with many of those, those actions. They violated labor laws in the United States. They contacted the United States Postal Service to have a postal box installed on company property where you know ballots would be cast, even though the National Labor Relations Board uh, you know, said it would not be allowable to have a ballot box on property. There are other things that we've alleged that are in violation of law. And I, I think that's the key thing here is, is that uh, many of their actions suggest that they just flagrantly have violated labor laws in the United States to try and get their message across. Add a couple of things to the list I went over quickly. As I mentioned, the captive audience meetings that workers were required to attend were a significant factor. Uh, as I said, I believe um, Amazon were hosting 16 hours per day for 32 days leading up uh, to the ballot, uh, to the voting period commencing. Um, so workers are having to attend these meetings and listen to the company about why uh, the union is a bad thing for their life, while the union is only out there to get their money, uh, while alluding to the fact that the union could take away things that they've already got. Obviously, having that amount of face time is a significant factor in, in intimidating work. It's, you, you can't escape it when you go home because then you're getting text messages, sometimes multiple times a day from the company with their anti-union messaging. Um, you're getting mail to your home. There's a post box installed on property by the United States Postal Service that gave workers the perception that they were being watched because they know that there's surveillance and cameras all throughout Amazon facilities and they had the sense that, you know, if they casted a ballot there, they would be surveilled. Um, and also the perception that in some ways Amazon was being seen as to be in control of this election as well. And, and I think that played on workers as well. Being approached by managers um, within the facility and asked how you vote is, is a violation of the law. So all of these factors laid on top of each other um, is, is a huge factor in, in workers who, at the end of the day, we're here to talk about secure employment and all they want is a secure job. And I think the threat of having that taken away or the illusion of it being taken away or, or reduced or changed in any way in the negative were all a big factor in the layering of that communication. I think having spoken to the workers and, and talking to the, the organisers who had you know hundreds of conversations with these people, the, the clear message that came from the workers is they didn't have a voice in the workplace. You know, they're experiencing backbreaking work and injuries. There's a lack of fair process. You can be written up um, for taking... Uh, too much time off for simply taking a break, getting a drink of water or going to the bathroom. And if you've written up perhaps three times, you're fired. And, and there's no uh, appeal process for workers to have representation to challenge that. It's at-will employment. And I think a lack of dignity and respect and fundamentally hearing over and over again things like unrealistic expectations. You're treated like another machine. My workday feels like a nine-day intense workout every day and they track your every move. Workers want a voice to try and change these things. 
I couldn't comment on whether there are specific examples of surveillance of organising efforts, but I would say this, that as mentioned with some of those quotes from workers, there's a sense that everything they do is being tracked. I believe there's something like 1,500 cameras within the Bessemer warehouse. And to give the example of the postal box, it created the perception that they were being watched. And another example that workers would give were the presence of police vehicles in the car park uh, at the work site that had even their sirens going at the entrance point sometimes that they saw appear during or shortly before the election process that gave another anxiety-inducing perception about what was happening at their workplace and, and, and being watched. I just want to just go to, a, to uh, an answer you briefly gave before, but just, just want to touch on this issue of the injury rates um, and what happens to workers who are on the job uh, at Amazon and, um, and, and injured? I think ultimately for many of them, um, and to differentiate between the sorts of injuries we're talking about here, that the injury rate at Amazon, the serious injury rates, so workers who get injured and can't go back to their their normal uh, duties or have to leave work overall, and that's more than double um, at comparative uh, warehouses. So for those sorts of workers, many of them end up leaving. And what you hear from workers is that they find themselves in a convoluted, impersonal HR system uh, where they can't speak to a human face-to-face. They're interacting on the A to Z Amazon app to try and deal with HR. They can't get through to Amazon Amazon HR on the phone to discuss these issues. And you you might even hear from injured workers saying, I don't even know if I'm employed or not anymore. I can't get through to anyone to talk about it. Um, And and these are the sorts of frustrations um, for workers in this environment where they have such certainty um, when they get injured around what the process is going forward. And I think in in many cases they they stop working there at all. You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. We are listening to excerpts from the recent Senate Select Committee hearing on job security we're of particular interest to the National Secretary of the TWU, the Transport Workers' Union, Michael Kane, was Amazon Flex. We'll let him explain the situation. We're here to talk really about Amazon Flex uh, delivery drivers. The Amazon Flex workers are under incredible pressure. We wish there was a Flex driver here to talk to you today, but we asked many of these drivers Uh, but they refuse to attend because they fear that their livelihoods will be cut and stripped away with no recourse. I've got to concede those fears are not misplaced. Last year, the TW went out to Flex's new uh, distribution centre in Minchinbury to inspect conditions. Amazon responded by terminating dozens of the Flex workers at its distribution centre indiscriminately. People were uh, received a notification in the morning saying they didn't have a job anymore. And it wasn't lost on those drivers that they those sackings took place only days after many had spoken with the TWU. That's in response to indiscriminate sackings that TWU again turned up uh, to Amazon, uh, having given appropriate notification of its statutory rights to inspect under the law. And Amazon broke the law by refusing us entry on site. Instead, they called police to have our officials removed. The fact of the matter is that Amazon is trying to cover up a system that is exploiting Amazon Flex drivers. Uh, they're engaged with no training, no support, limited onboarding. People download an app, they watch a two-minute safety video, it's called, and then they turn up to work at an Amazon DC and load their personal cars uh, to complete this work. Work 
for which they get $108 for four hours. Now, the minimum federal wage in this country is something a bit beyond $24 an hour. That means that these workers are being paid something less than $3 an hour to maintain their vehicles, get their insurances, their superannuation, take care of their annual leave, uh, and that demonstrates just there that that is an unfair contract. An unfair contract is against the law in Australia. Um, Amazon Flex workers uh, were supposed to have received by New South Wales regulation upon starting their work blue card training. And they're in breach of the law as well when they fail to provide that blue card training to those workers, critical occupational health and safety training until this was raised by the TWU. This is a pattern of behaviour. These uh, characters in Amazon will only comply with laws when they're caught red-handed, rates when they're low that literally kill people in road transport. Of course, there's now um, the better part of 40 years' worth of uh, academic evidence, judicial determinations, coronial inquiries, uh, academic studies, which say that in road transport there's a direct link between uh, conditions of work, including uh, the rate at which workers are paid uh, and safety outcomes. Uh, and, of course, what that means is that where there is a suspicion that workers are being mistreated, and that includes in road transport where they're being paid clearly too little uh, to sustain a vehicle and a labour uh, charge, then that is a suspicion of a breach. And we have tried to action that on repeated occasions uh, at the Amazon's warehouse in Mitchinbury. Uh, on two occasions, we've been denied entry. There is no basis for that denial of entry. The union was working within the laws to try and support those workers. Not only denied entry, but Amazon succeeded in some way, um, and I don't know how, in convincing police uh, against our legal statutory um, capacity um, that we were to be turned away. Uh, now, of course, this is consistent with a company that will do anything, as will other gig companies, to protect uh, their system of exploitation, including, as I've mentioned, failing to comply with the law by failing to uh, properly train people in blue card training, which is meant to give them the basic skills to know when it is that they should put up their hand when something is not right in the workplace. Again, it's not surprising to us, but disappointing, that Amazon would have failed to comply until caught red-handed about this because uh, that would be empowering workers uh, to know when to put up their hand and how to put up their hand when something uh, goes astray. And, of course... Uh, we know, uh, despite their best efforts, uh, that when we have eventually managed to get right of entry on a couple of occasions, we know what's happening with these workers. Uh, we have pictures of sometimes very old, small, clearly domestic cars being pushed and squashed to the brim with no visibility left, no suggestion that this is being done in a, in a professional way, in a safe way, and so that people literally... Uh, getting in the driver's seat, surrounded, floor to roof, to mirrors, to windows uh, with boxes. And uh, they're told that they are to get out of that warehouse and do that work in four hours for $108. As I've said, minimum casual wage, $24.50 thereabouts. Uh, that leaves about $2.50 to $3 for them to pay for their fuel, their car, their uh, non-direct labour costs, such as annual leave, superannuation, etc. Clearly, that is against the law in Australia. It is an unfair...
fair contract. So this is a company that is breaching the law, failing to allow um, unions to speak to workers about their rights, failing to give um, occupational health and safety training so workers have the tools to put up their hands when something is wrong and they know it's wrong, and failure on rates, which in this industry is deadly. We have had 885 Australians lose their lives in trucking crashes in the last five years, and 183 transport workers dying in that time on our roads. And this is now a system which is inducing a further downward spiral of standards and conditions, and it's doing it on the back of fear. If these workers put their hands up, they are terminated. I had the benefit of um, being informed about some evidence that Amazon gave earlier in the day about offboarding. Offboarding means sacking. And in Amazon, it means sacking without recourse to any just rectification for that. Offboarding, Senator, is um, defined in the dictionary as relating or denoting hardware or software that does not form an integral part of a computer. That's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with companies like Amazon and their gig friends who are abusing workers and protecting their exploitative business models by breaking the law and failing to allow workers to collectivise and failing to allow uh, industry associations uh, to discharge their lawful um, and important um, uh, functions. The key thing to... Uh, for the scope of this inquiry, particularly in relation to secure work, is the effect that this Amazon effect, the Amazon effect, as it's been called, um, is having now right in the heart of heavy vehicle freight as well. Um, we've got Amazon Freight, which uh, started up in the US market in 2018, 2019. It's undercutting market prices by up to 33%. Of course, that's an online platform where we've got heavy trucks just being in an online market, lowest price wins the bid. And um, that is really cutting into what we've all tried to build up over many years. Um, and in Australia, it's critically important because we've got a window of opportunity to prevent it. And that is good employers um, who are doing the right thing, who are actually being a moderating influence um, and making sure that workers are protected and that there's sustainability in the sector. So that Amazon effect is uh, really critical. And of course, the other thing to note in relation to Amazon Flex and Amazon Freight is that we've now got a situation in the United States where the two biggest freight forwarding companies, UPS, who has good uh, worker arrangements in place, and even FedEx, not so good, but does act as a moderating force in some circumstances, they've been overtaken, hugely overtaken by the Amazon Flex model. So we've got an opportunity in Australia. It's not a coincidence in our view that Amazon hit the shores literally days after the Road Safety Remuneration Tribunal was abolished in Australia in 2016, that tribunal would have had the capacity to deal with these issues and put in place sustainable arrangements which would have protected secure work that currently exists with good employers and would have made sure that this type of work, if to be performed at all, was performed in a significantly better way. That's it for Stick Together this week. If you want to catch up with the show... We are podcast at 3cr.org.au and on iTunes and Spotify. If you want to drop us a line, email us on sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. And until next week, remember, wherever you work, whatever you do, there is a union for you and stick together.